So before we get started, I'm going to ask, invite God to take over. Dear Lord, we just want to thank you for the message that you have given us. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I'm an unworthy vessel, but if there's some way, somehow, you can use me to speak to your people today, this we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So getting right to it, there are some major themes in the book of Daniel. I'm sure you're all aware of them. Some of these things are self-worship or worship of man versus worship of God and God being in control. That's another major theme in the book of Daniel. And in the backdrop of all this drama, you have the theme of health and temperance. Are they interrelated? Is God trying to tell us something right now in 2016? And is this prophetic book, the book of Daniel, that was sealed and now revealed in these end times, is it important for us? Is it relevant for us today? So for the next 30 minutes, we're going to explore some of these themes in the context of the book of Daniel from the fourth chapter. That was so eloquently read earlier on by the scripture reading. Thank you. So that's the book that we're going to delve in, the book of Daniel, chapter 4. Now this prophetic book called Daniel is so relevant for us today because it prefigures events that, will, that we will experience at some spiritual level in God's remnant church. Living in the end times. Are we in the end times, friends? Yes, we are. The central character of Daniel chapter 4 is King Nebuchadnezzar. He was the ruler of the greatest empire seen since the dawn of man. The richness and the opulence of Babylon was legendary. The hanging gardens of Babylon made the seven wonders of the world list at one time. In Daniel chapter 4, this king, Nebuchadnezzar, he had a dream. And in this dream, he was represented symbolically by a tree. And underneath this great tree, all the birds of the air came and they ate and they fed on this tree. And this meaning of this dream was that the Babylonian Empire under King Nebuchadnezzar was very prosperous and very rich. And Babylon was fitly described as the head of gold, found in Daniel 2, verses 38. You see, God had exalted Babylon for this reason and for a certain season. You could also say that America, these United States of America, has been brought into play in the prophetic scheme of things by God for a reason, but we're not going to go into that today. But King Nebuchadnezzar had a problem. And this problem that King Nebuchadnezzar had was pride, self-worship, self-centeredness. His personality was narcissistic in nature. He failed to recognize God the one who gave him all the greatness, all the power, and he failed to exalt God. King Nebuchadnezzar, in response to all his prosperity, was to lift up his heart in pride 
And there are several things that the Lord hates. A proud spirit is at the top of that list. Why? Because it's the same spirit that Lucifer exhibited when he was up in heaven. He said that I will put my throne above the Most High. That's like the original sin, pride. And so you see, King Nebuchadnezzar had this great flaw in his character. You may say, hmm, a king or a president may ignorantly assume that they got to power by their ingenuity, by their intelligence, their wealth, or their power. But to the contrary, God has something to say about that. In Daniel 4, verse 17, it reads, This matter is by decree of the watchers and demand by the word of the Holy One, to the intent that the living may know that the Most High rule it in the kingdom of men and give it to whomsoever he will and set it up over it the basis of men. Amen? The matter of the decree of the watchers, meaning that God, he's in charge. So you see, if you don't like the current president, tell God about it. He's in charge. Are you all out there? Okay, let me know you're out there because I can't see. Okay. <clears throat> now, in Daniel chapter 4, verses 17, we read that. So the king, he had a dream. Let's move on. I'm trying to do all these things here at once. <laughs> Daniel chapter 4, verses 10 to 13. If you can read that or go to your Bibles. Daniel chapter 4, verses 10 to 13. Thus were the visions of mine head in my bed. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. The tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached unto heaven, and the sight thereof to the end of all earth. The leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all. And the beast of the field had shadow under it, and the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the boughs. Thereof all flesh was fed. Hmm, Nebuchadnezzar was feeling good. This was a good dream so far, huh? Let's move on. I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher, and the Holy One came down from heaven. He cried aloud and said, Thus, you down the tree, and cut off his branches, shake off his leaves, and scatter his fruits. Let the beast get away from under it, and the fowls from his branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, and in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with dew of heaven. Remember that. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beast in the grass of the earth. Let his portion be with the beast in the grass of the earth. And let his heart be changed from man. And let a beast's heart be given unto him. And let seven times pass over him. Whoa. King Nebuchadnezzar woke up from that. It was no longer a dream. It was a nightmare. He said, what is this? 
What does this dream mean? So the king called, of course, his wise men, his astrologers, his psychics, and he asked these men to interpret this dream. This time he could relate to them the dream. But guess what? They could not interpret the dream. No kidding. They couldn't interpret, interpret his dream back in Daniel chapter 2. So why ask them to interpret this dream now? So he ends up calling Daniel to interpret the dream for him. And you know, friends, there's going to come a time when people are going to call you to give an answer for the faith that's within you. They're not going to get the answers from their regular sources anymore. And they're going to remember, hmm, wasn't so-and-so telling me about the Sabbath day at one point? I wonder what that means. Or they were talking about the sanctuary. So we must be ready to give an answer for our faith that's within us at all times. So back to the story. Daniel was called, and Daniel interpreted the dream. In Daniel 4, verses 22, it said, It is thou, O king, that art grown and become strong, for thy greatness is grown, and reach it unto the heaven, and the dominion of the end of the earth. So Daniel told him what this dream was about. And Daniel said, You're the great king. You know, you're the one that has brought uh, Babylon to this state. And this tree is talking about you. But, he said, you're going to be cut down. In verse 4, verse 27, it says, Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee. Break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor if there may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. So, within this dream, not only was God showing Nebuchadnezzar what the problem was, but he was also giving him the solution. He gave him actually 12 months to repent, 12 months to institute reform in his kingdom, 12 months of probation. But guess what? Nebuchadnezzar blew it. Hmm. Before we said, wow, he was really stupid. Guess what? God has given us a probationary period. He's given us even longer than he gave Nebuchadnezzar. He's given some of us 40 years, 50 years, 70 years, and we still fail to trust God's promises. So now Nebuchadnezzar, he heard what would happen to him? And he didn't change. Do you, did Nebuchadnezzar really think that God would not make good on his promises? Hmm. You think King Nebuchadnezzar would have remembered that the God of Daniel was all-powerful, all-knowing, perfect in all his ways. Did he not remember that Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the captives from Judah, also known as servants of the living God, was ten times wiser, ten times stronger, more intelligent compared to the rest of his Babylonian advisors? You think he would have remembered that? You think he would have remembered that it was only Daniel who could have interpreted his dream? Huh? You think he would have remembered that? He think he would have remembered by his own confession when he threw the three Hebrew boys into the fiery furnace and he could not burn them up. And by his own confession, he said, the fourth man in the fiery furnace was the son of God. Huh? 
you think he would have remembered. So then, this time, when Daniel told him and informed him, you are the tree, O king, that God is going to cut down, and he's going to remove from your kingdom for seven years, and he's going to make your dwelling place with the beasts of the field. You are the one that is going to be removed. You think he would have believed? Hmm. You think he would have repented? In light of so much truth, so much evidence that God says what he means, and he does what he says. Huh? All the historical evidence given to Nebuchadnezzar, and he still refused to obey. Let's draw an analogy, because that's what it's all about, making this book, Daniel, relevant to us. We are God's remnant people, amen? We have no excuse concerning the light that God has given us. I told you they prayed over me so I can go ahead and say these things. We have knowledge of the true Sabbath. We have knowledge of the state of the dead. We have knowledge of the sanctuary message. Christ right now is in the most holy place, making atonement, blotting out our sins. No other denomination have the truth about the sanctuary than we do. We have the truth about the last day message that God has given to a dying world. The three angels' message. Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. We have the truth from the last day prophet, the spirit of prophecy. Amen? We have the truth about the health message. Long before they were talking about veganism and plant-based diet, long before they said that, the Surgeon General said that cigarette was harmful to us, the Lord gave the vision to a 17-year-old and revealed these things to her, for us. Huge! God said, if we fail to live up to the light that he has entrusted to us, he will have no choice but to remove our candlestick because we have stated in our actions, that we don't need the light. So moving right along. And so one day, the king went out on his balcony, admiring the view. Can you imagine? The lush flowers and the trees on one side, the beautiful lawns, and he turned to the west, and he was admiring the hanging gardens of Babylon. Then he turned around and he looked and saw his armies far off in the east those armies that he commanded. And then he looked around in the palaces that he built and he saw the beautiful stones, the granite and the marble and the gold trims and oh, he was so proud. And he lifted up his heart and he blurted out, is not this great Babylon which I have built for the royal dwelling place? by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty. And as soon as those words left his mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. God's word came to pass. No kidding. In leaving the stump, God makes Mercy with judgment. God could have easily wiped out Nebuchadnezzar, but God just cut him down to size. He did not cut him off. And as rare 
It's very rare for a tree to spring back after you have cut it from the trunk. And as very rare as that is, likewise is so incredible that King Nebuchadnezzar, after going crazy for seven years, came back from that in his full mental capacity, came back to the throne and ruled. It's miraculous. But God said that it would happen, and that's his word, and it will happen. Now let's use our holy imagination and imagine what happened in the king's palace on that morning that he became a beast. King Nebuchadnezzar personal, this is all holy imagination, King Nebuchadnezzar personal attendant came in the king's chamber one morning with his breakfast. It was probably ham and eggs and some wine and so forth. And he was holding the tray and when he opened the door, there he saw the king of Babylon on all fours. He says, king! And the king was looking around with a wild look in his eyes, like a wild animal. And he was shocked. And at the door creeped open, the king jumped and raced out of the door, down the hall, out of the palace, into the pasture. And the attendant was running behind him. Oh, king! Oh, king! And when he went and he saw that King Nebuchadnezzar, what was he? He went outside and he started to eat grass. Oh, he dropped the tray immediately. He ran back to the advisors and he says, Come, come, King Nebuchadnezzar, there's something wrong. What are you talking about? Come and see, Nebuchadnezzar has gone mad. So they raced and followed the advisor out and there they saw the king of Babylon, the greatest empire to ever exist, down on all fours. Not only that with the wild animals, he was eating grass. Whoa. You know, using your holy imagination, those magicians and those astrologers, they try to get King Nebuchadnezzar back. They probably, the astrologers probably was looking up in the stars and wondering what was going on. The psychics and the enchanters was saying, oh, somebody cast a spell on this king. We're going to have to remove it. And they did all that they could. And in the last resort, they probably called Daniel. And Daniel said, no, this is the will and the word of God. And this is going to happen. And it's going to go and run its course. And this is God's prophecy coming to pass. And it's nothing that they could do about it. Psychologists today would have diagnosed King Nebuchadnezzar with a disorder called boanthropy, taken from a root word, bovine cow. And it's only that a person think, how weird is this, that they're a cow? And they get down on all fours and start eating grass like crazy. You know, you have to laugh. How great God is. He uses the foolishness, the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. So, how do you think living as a cow for seven years affected Nebuchadnezzar? You think it affected him emotionally, mentally, or physically? First of all, it was a big blow to his pride, that problem that he had. The king, the greatest empire on this earth, brought so low, so low, that he lost his mind. He forgot that he was a man. 
How low did he go? He was stripped of his kingly garments. He was naked outside, exposed to the elements. How low did he go? He got down on all fours with the beast in the field, eating grass like a cow. And now contrast that scene with the scene of the king in his palace, the way he was before. He was waited on by butlers, uh, bakers, and cupbearers. He had maidens carrying grapes and wine to him. He didn't have to lift a finger. Now he was out there with the cows. Huh? Imagine where he used to sleep in silk, linen, and feathered beds. Now his pillow was a stone and his bed was grass. Huh? Now he was curled up on the ground. His ability to communicate, to speak, was gone. This is the king who commanded the armies of Babylon. This is the king who snapped his fingers and said, Come here and do this and do that. He probably had good oratory skills. Gone! And the only audible sound that came from his lips now was, mm. Mm. Huh? Let's go a little further. His perfectly groomed hair was now, after several years gone by, matted and long. It was probably infested with lice, because cows have lice, right? His manicured nails were grown out, and the Bible said it curled like the claws. He had no bath soap, no deodorant, no special ointment or spices. He was just down there in the stench of the excrement of the cows mixed with his own. That's how low he got. But still in this environment, God preserved his life. Nevertheless, God said, leave the stump. God was just not humbling this great king. I believe God wanted to reform this king for him to have a change of heart. Sometimes God has to humble us in order to save us. Some of us have been blessed with great jobs, nice homes, great responsibilities, and sometimes we may think, I got this job by my ingenuity, by my good looks, and I'm a perfect candidate for this job. No, you're not. God gave you this job. You don't deserve it. You know you messed up in that interview. You know your grades were no summa cum laude. God gave you divine favor, lest you forget who to give the glory to. Wow. And there is some false pride at the church level, not at this church. There's politics in the church, but not at this church. You can hear some people say, I should be first elder because I have a degree. I have a Ph.D. And I have deep knowledge of the Bible and prophecies. And, um, oh, yes, and my elocution skills are not... You may think that God is intoxicated by the exuberance of your own verbosity, but he is not. God is not impressed. This is God's church, the body of Christ. We are his members. No one should esteem himself higher than the other. We should seek to serve as Christ did. Let's refresh what Christ did. 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's who our models should be. So this thing, this story, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, it's very, very sad. He had a whole full year of probation to get his act together, and he did it. So he needed shock therapy, like some of us. He needed shock therapy. And for starters, his diet had to change. This is the part of the humbling experience. Amen? Let's see what happens. For starters, God put Nebuchadnezzar on a plant-based diet. Is that not rich? Chlorophyll rich. Remember, the king's food that he offered to Daniel and his friends, huh? that Daniel and his friends refused to eat, full of cholesterol-laden food, and Daniel and his friends opt for the vegetables and water. Now God flipped it. Now he took the king and gave him Daniel's diet. <laughs> My God is good. So now on the plant-based diet, he's going to reverse all those clogged arteries that clogged his brains. That's why he was thinking so strange. Many of us call ourselves herbivores. That's good. But we're still on the dairy products. Oh, the cheese, it tastes so good. Ooh, but cholesterol. Then we move from the vegetarian to the vegans. That's good. We're making progress. But still, we are killing the foods. Why? Because we have robbed these nutrients by overcooking them and taking away all the vital nutrients that our bodies need. We need to eat the food in its whole state, the way God made it. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. We need to make it whole. Okay? I know I'm stepping on some toes. Ouch. This is Thanksgiving season. So I'm not telling you to just go raw. I'm just telling you that we need to incorporate more of these fruits, nuts, and grains in our diet. Amen? You see, um, when we cook and eat a lot of cooked food, our bodies, our digestive juices, our vitals, sources have to you know, digest that dead food. And so all the enzymes that we would use to repair and to replace and to ward off diseases is used up by trying to digest this overcooked, overprocessed foods. So we need to eat more of the whole nuts and grains. What else we got here? Green leafy vegetables. Yeah, that is one of the most healthiest foods on the planet. If you Google top 10 healthy foods, you will see green leafy vegetables hit the list. And so that's what we must strive for. You can um, eat this in a green smoothie. Amen? You all don't sound too enthusiastic about this. <laughs> Whoo! 
I'm sure Nebuchadnezzar was not enthusiastic about this, but by the one year had passed and that's all he was eating, he was eating it. So, yes, green leafy vegetables. You can make green smoothies, put your leaves and your kale and your spinach, and then you put your fruits in there. We've had cooking classes on this ad nauseum. So it's not something that you don't know about. Amen? Let's see what else we got here. Oh, did you know that chlorophyll and your blood, hemoglobin, is almost identical? The iron, which is in the center element found on the hemoglobin molecule, is in our blood, and the chlorophyll has the same elements except the iron is replaced by magnesium. So that's how close chlorophyll is. Chlorophyll is the plant's blood, and we have hemoglobin. So if you want to build up your blood, drink green smoothies, drink chlorophyll-filled foods, eat those salads and so forth. And if you want to be super healthy, wheatgrass. You all know what that is? Google it. Wheatgrass is just that. You can go to a health food store, Earth Fair or somewhere, and they juice you some wheatgrass, and you pay three, four dollars for two ounces. It's the most healthy food on this planet. It has 92 nutrients in it for your body. You can drink that and live off of that. Didn't God put Nebuchadnezzar on it for seven years? And he survived? And he thrived? Incorporate some of that in your diet. Amen? And you don't have to spend $3 a shot. You can go to New Leaf and get hard wheat berries and plant the seeds and juice your own wheatgrass. So, it not only sustained him, it changed him. It unclogged his brain. Straight thinking. The next therapy that God put Nebuchadnezzar on Exercise. 30 minutes a day. 30 minutes a day. Get your blood pumping. Amen? Uh, we can talk about the benefits of exercise, but we can't go into that today. We just, just know that it gets circulation going. It uh, gets, your, gets your moving so you don't rust out. Makes you lose weight and all that good stuff. So King Nebuchadnezzar was on an exercise program because he had to walk on all fours to get from one place to another to eat grass. And no doubt he might have been doing some push-ups because he had to go down to eat the grass. <laughs> so if you want to be healthy, walk and do push-ups. Amen? Woo! God is good. The next therapy that King Nebuchadnezzar had to deal with? Water. Yes, water. Fresh, clean water. Remember, he was used to drinking wine. No more wine, no more fruit juices. He was down the streams drinking water with the cows. It was not fluorinated, it was not chlorinated. That's to tell you the type of water we should drink. Eight glasses of water a day, inside and out. We have to take cool showers. Cold water stimulates the immune system. It builds up your white blood cells. 
So I'm afraid of cold water. Well, what you do is go into the shower, put it on some warm water, get acclimatized to it, and gradually turn the dial back until it's cold. And then you won't even know you're in cold water. But then your white blood cells know, and it spruces them up, and your immune system is given a shot. Amen? So Nebuchadnezzar was on hydrotherapy because the word of God said that the dew wet his back every day. I'm not making this up, friends. It's in there. The next therapy that Nebuchadnezzar had was sunshine. Sunshine. We need a daily dose of sunshine in order for our bodies to take the sunshine, take the cholesterol that we have, our skin will then convert it to vitamin D, the happy vitamin. Have you ever noticed how sad you are when you don't get out in the sun or when the weather changes and you don't get that much sunshine? That's because vitamin D elevates your mood. God knew what he was doing. We need some sunshine. And I'm not saying to go out and take some long sun bath. Moderation. 15 minutes of good sun. In fact, you can exercise out in the sun. You can kill several birds with one stone. Exercise in sun and air and drinking water. So let's see the next therapy. We're going to move right along. What was that? Temperance. Temperance is the moderation in the things that are good and total abstinence from the things that are foul. Yes, we eat some good things, but we're guilty of overeating. We all are. And uh, like I said, it's Thanksgiving, so I don't want to step on any toes, but we all can make changes in our lifestyle in order to uh, gain a more healthy, healthy body. And I'm not even going to talk about the harmful stuff, such as the drugs and the alcohol and, the, and all these things. Prescription drug abuse is on the rise. Um, the servant of God spoke about drugs, so we're not going to go into it because you can read it. And we don't have the time today. But temperance. And sure enough, Nebuchadnezzar, he was now temperate. Was he not? Was he drinking any wine and over-gorging himself with food? No, he was not. He was temperate. What's the next slide? Fresh air. He got a lot of fresh air outside. Amen? The air that we, 90% of the time, are breathing is polluted because it's indoor, recirculated air. We need to get outside and get those fresh negative ions. And the best place to get that kind of fresh air is by the streams, waterfalls, at the beach. The negative ions. And we need to try to deep breathe at least five minutes outside every day. Because studies have shown that deep breathing will lower your blood pressure, uh, gives you the fresh oxygen that you need, lower the stress level in your life. So fresh air. This indoor air is polluted, so we need to wash that out of our lungs by getting some fresh air. And like I said, you can kill several birds with one stone. When you're outside, you exercise, getting the fresh air, the sunshine, and drink some clean water. Okay, what we have here? Rest. Rest. Physical rest. Mental rest, emotional rest, sensory rest. Oh, it's hard getting eight hours of sleep a night. But we got to. That's the recommended time that we need for our bodies to rejuvenate and repair the tissues. 
When we're sleeping, our body is doing repair work. So if you stress your body out and don't give it enough sleep, then your body is not getting what it needs. We're not getting that physical rest because of what? Social media, TV, work, kids, you name it. But we have to make rest a priority. We need the mental rest away from work. We need that emotional rest away from toxic people and toxic things. Sometimes you've got to remove yourself and remove people out of your life. Give yourself some rest, sensory rest. Amen? When the sun sets, your body starts making melatonin. That's telling you now it's time to sleep, time to wind down. Do you know that the animals go to sleep at sunset? They're smarter than us. You know that what the saying is, early to bed, early to rise, make a man wealthy, healthy and wise. Well, there's some truth into that. And then the ultimate rest. Oh, yeah. The Sabbath rest. Amen? Amen. It's all about relationship, friends. God's used a whole day that he created in order to let us enter into the rest with him and to set aside that 24-hour period. So all those who don't know about the Sabbath day, they're missing out on a vital part of rest therapy. And so when we start this rest with Christ on earth here with the Sabbath, we will continue in heaven. Amen? So wait a minute now. Did Nebuchadnezzar get the rest he needed? Oh yeah! He was away from all those toxic advisors who was giving him bad stuff all the time. He was away from the stress of his throne, ruling the most important empire in the world. Huh? God knew what he was doing. So we're coming down to the end. Trust in God. That was the last therapy. The last therapy. There is an inexpressible peace that comes to one who has learned to trust in God and lay all things in his hands. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, Come unto me, all, and I will give you rest. Rest from sorrow, rest from fear, rest from insecurity. But first, we must come to him as our great physician. We must trust him before we can understand and practice his profession or reveal his wisdom and love. The, the let us resign ourselves to do his will and endeavor faithfully to follow every instruction he gives. For when he comes, but for when we come to God, we must be willing to acknowledge and accept his way as best for us and follow them regardless of our own personal preferences and prejudice. There may be times when we may not discern his wisdom in certain events, but it is on these occasions that we especially honor him by our faith. By being obedient to him in those things which he takes, ask of us, be it in the physical or the spiritual realm, we shall discover that he is guiding us on our way to complete healing. Amen? So in closing, in closing, God wants to give us a new start like how he gave Nebuchadnezzar a new start. Um, Nebuchadnezzar was restored after seven years. Being like a madman, he realized what had happened to him, how God had spared his life in his maddened state and returned him back to his throne. So he immediately praised God. 
as you can read, when you go home, read the entire chapter of chapter 4, Daniel. He realized that God had given him a new start and cleansed his heart from pride. Before his therapy, Nebuchadnezzar, he was in a state of lukewarmness. He would praise God when events went his ways, and then he would relapse back into his narcissistic way. You know, this account of Nebuchadnezzar's fall from grace and his restoration to his throne is speaking to us today. Amen? Our prayer should be, create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I pray, friends, that we can all have a new start in Christ. Um, there's no altar call because you know what God requires. There is no um, come to the altar or no music to play upon your emotions because you must make this decision with a clear mind as the Holy Spirit speaks to you. It's not on an emotional level. It's on the thus say it, the word of God level. So if you feel impressed that you want to be a part of God's remnant, if you feel like you want to join up with God's people, see the elders of this church, see Pastor uh, Joey, and he will direct you in the right direction. God wants to start something new, friends. We have been given a great command, and we can follow. So, in closing... You want to have a new start? Yeah. You all don't sound convinced. Do you want to have a new start? Yeah. So, Ecclesiastes 12:13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of men. May the Lord ask blessings. Amen.